Hi folks and thanks for listening to this Tortoise Shack podcast. This is the conversation we had with Karen Sugru a couple of days ago. Uh, many of you will have already heard Karen on this podcast before talking about Together for Safety and the need for safe access zones for people seeking uh, healthcare, uh, pregnancy healthcare options, uh, particularly around abortion services. But many more will have heard of her this week because David Quinn sued her for a badly worded tweet. And because Karen didn't sign the non-disclosure agreement that was offered, she was available to talk to us about her experience. So make sure you give it a listen. And of course, you know I've got to ask you to join us. It's patreon.com forward slash tortoise shack. It's the price of a fancy cup of coffee and a scone to you. But to us, it keeps the mics on and the conversations like the one you're about to hear keep going. And you get lots of extras for it, including in the last few minutes, we've just posted a... Echo Chamber podcast with the Minister for Housing, Dara O'Brien. He came over to the Tortoise Shack to have a chat with myself and Martin. And it's a pretty full-on interview, so uh, well worth it. And it's there right now on the Patreon feed for our members. Thanks for listening. Thanks for the support. Please join us. I'm going to stop rabbiting on. Enjoy the podcast. Hello and welcome to the Echo Chamber podcast. My name is Tony Groves. And Martin, yesterday there was only one story that mattered in in. In kind of the, uh, how do I put it, in the activism circles that we move in, there was a, an important story that came to light, something that we were probably aware of for, for a little while. But um, our guest today, uh, Karen Sugru, stepped out into the light to talk about her experience of uh, a legal case that was taken by David Quinn, the uh, he of the Iona Institute, and many other uh, um, media organizations who have published his um opinion columns for a number of years now uh stepped he he had taken action against karen herself over a defamatory tweet that she had posted uh and karen joins us now karen first of all thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us and how are you now 24 hours after your uh the big reveal um thanks a million for having me on tony and martin and i really appreciate you you giving time to this uh you know i suppose i uh, i was completely blown away by the support that I got yesterday. It was utterly unexpected. Um, and I ha- I spent a lot of, of yesterday crying over these fantastic messages that I was getting of, of just incredible support and kindness and, and genuine reaching out to me. And I was just really blown away. So actually, I am, I'm doing really well. Thank you so much. No, oh, no, that's great to hear. Um, can I ask, though, we'll have to, let's, Let's rewind the tape back and talk about what's happened. First of all, I need to frame this. You are uh, one of the organisers and one of the people behind Together for Safety, which is involved in obviously looking for safe access zones for people seeking reproductive choice healthcare and for, for the issues that they need to address. And you've been seeking that and with a number of people that we all know. I mean, we've had you on these podcasts before and we've spoken about it. So you were a person of, let's say, um, prominence in the activism in the activism arena. And Mr. Quinn, it's fair to say, represents possibly the opposite side of of the debate in this, yes? That would be fair. Okay, so how did we get to the point whereby you wake up and there's a letter from a solicitor asking you, um, uh, uh, telling you that you're being sued for for a defamatory tweet and, you know, to the point where you were afraid that the damages that that could total might actually cost you your home? So I suppose, first of all, I, I want to say that, um, you know, the the case is now completed, um, which I am in, incredibly happy about. And I'm highly motivated to make sure that neither 
you guys nor I get sued again. Um, so I, I'm I'm going because of, for that reason I'm going to talk very carefully about it. Um, and I also um, part of the reason just to explain why I decided to to speak about this is because Ireland's defamation laws are notorious across Europe for being um, very, very open to these kinds of cases. Um, and people don't realize that I was one of those people. So, um, you know, I, I figured this is a great opportunity to talk about defamation law, to prepare people, to help them keep themselves safe in, in the online environment. Um, and, and, and really a call to, to action as well on the, the defamation laws. But just to answer your question, how did it happen? Um, is I got the letter on May 25th, last May, which was the fourth anniversary of repeal. Um, I'd been in Dublin, um, outside the door for a rally and got the train home, came home and got the letter. Um, and uh, I, I suppose the, the key thing for me is that I did not know that defamation laws, I, I just didn't know that someone like me, like a, an everyday person, would get sued. I thought it was for the likes of, of Leo and, and, you know, the, the top echelons of, of people. Um, so I, I was very upset and very scared at the start. Um, and then I just got more scared as time went on because it is a very frightening process to be involved with when you're not a person who has resources. Tell me a little about the process, Kara. So the, the first thing that happens is that you have to very, very quickly, uh, you're kind of, you're given a, a very tight deadline to, to respond. So you have to very quickly find a solicitor. Um, the only solicitor in my life I'd ever dealt with before that was uh, the person who'd helped me when I got my house in 2002, when, when a person could still <laughs> buy a house back in the past. Um, and so I didn't know where to start. So it took me, you know, a lot of those two days kind of ringing around and, and you know, looking online. And, um, and I eventually found somebody literally at the 11th hour, maybe kind of an hour and a half before the deadline and who agreed to help me. And then he got back to the solicitor. Um, and at that point, we thought that it would be a very easy fix, you know, um, e easy as in quick, hopefully, you know, like an apology and a retraction and some money. And I had gone to the credit union and I'd organized a loan. So I thought that this would be, you know, something like that. So I offered to straight away to um, publish an apology that, that he had would write. And I offered um, to cover his costs and to to pay extra money um, if that was what was required. I just wanted it to go away. I had never, I didn't even know anyone who had been sued at that point. I was horrified um, and I just really wanted it to go away as quickly as possible. So that's what I asked my solicitor to do. And he thought it would be fine. He thought it would be no problem. But he came back immediately after the phone call and said that had been rejected out of hand. So, like, I mean, that's a staggering um, kind of way to find yourself all of a sudden. And, you know, I don't want to, well, obviously you've spoken about your, your family circumstance, you're, you're a single parent, you're, you're, in your, you're in your own home, and you know now that this could put huge financial pressure on you. You've offered an unreserved apology that could be worded by the, by the 
the, the person who's been defamed and you've offered to pay some sort of recompense, whether it be to that person themselves or to maybe a, an organization of their choosing, which is typical in these cases where we, we you know, that's how it's done. Yep. When they said no, did you think you were heading to the high court? Well, my understanding at that point is that um, that's what was said. It was it was communicated to my solicitor that the 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 damage done was so egregious that only the high court could could kind of address it. Um, and that was the point at which um, I understand that high court damages are can be awarded in excess of eighty thousand euros. So at that point. That was when that kind of money started to be mentioned, and then I started being asked about my house. Did I have a mortgage? What, what was what was my wage? Those kind of questions. So it got very frightening for me anyway, very very quickly at that point. That's, I know. Sorry, sorry, Tony. I know, go ahead. I know at the outset Tony introduced you as an activist, and but but he wasn't suing just the activist. He was suing the mom. He's suing the cancer survivor. He's suing the the struggling worker. He's he's suing the activist who gives off her own time to be an activist. That's who he was suing. He was suing the entire package. You know, people need to understand you are an ordinary person. You don't have eighty grand lying in the bank. This this amount of money doesn't exist for ordinary people. It may exist for some people. But for ordinary people, the idea that you have 80 grand or 8 grand or 800 quid lying in the bank is nonsense. Uh, you know, those of us who live the life know you're on the line the whole time. The whole time. You don't have that spare cash. That power imbalance, that him being able to use the law correctly to literally slap you into the ground slap you down and slap you into the ground did you feel completely helpless and and who was there i think i think what you said there Martin, is really important to to say is that as the law in ireland stands at the moment he was perfectly within his rights to do this perfectly and that needs to be said um you know, and I suppose that's why I'm I'm so eager to talk about the law as it stands. But the law, there is a lot of misunderstanding about what the defamation law is and what it's, you know, what it represents. And the way it was explained to me is that a defamatory statement must be something that a reasonable person would think injures your reputation. Mm. So that's an incredibly broad thing, and it's be- it's incredibly broad and can and and open to so much interpretation. And particular, like this is why we have defamation tourism here. This is why we have this organization. This is why an organization like the Tortoise Shack panics about what we refer to as strategic lawsuits against public participation. And I can tell you that on a, before we came on air, I was telling Martin that we look, we have had them. Um, there's actual letters sitting here to the right of me that I've had, and I've I've gone through them if only for again thankfully I have a a good solicitor and we kind of break them down into what's actual what do we need to respond to what can we kind of what's really just trying to you know push the envelope and what do we have to actually just roll over on I mean we've been in one situation whereby we were absolutely clear that we were correct on something but the pockets were so deep of the other people involved it was just easier to dump the whole project in the bin and And that is that rules out effective reporting, which is what we were doing. And, you know, Karen, you, as Martin said, this there's also and I know, again, just in your specific case, 
you were on the opposite side of a of a of a toxic debate than Mr. Quinn's side. It, it, so, so there, it, that you, we have to look at that through the whole con- through the context of who you were as as not just you know one defamatory tweet. Yeah, I, I mean, and it, and I suppose that I've had a lot. I've had a long time this year to to really think about this. Um, you know, at, at that time, um, I was completely clueless about such things. And I thought that defamation was saying something untrue about a person. Um, that's what I thought it was. And I think that a lot of people do think it's that. Whereas actually, it's much more broader and much wider open to interpretation. And, you know, so, so like, I guess Martin asked me, how did I feel at that point? At that point, I actually knew so little about this. that I didn't really understand the extent of the trouble I was in for a little while. You know, I had to go through a lot of because I I did feel that this is, you know, how can this be? Um, I didn't say anything, you know, that, that I thought fell into that category at all. And I thought this was robust debate and so on. Um, and, and so it's it's been a long process of, of and I still don't fully understand it um i i don't come to this with with legal training so i don't understand it fully and 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 nor should you have to but i want to ask one question and I, i'm sorry now and and but you were also have, were recovering from cancer okay were you still undergoing treatment at, 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 at the stage this has started or are you just come out of the, the the process i was just coming out of the process um and actually you know again in, in retrospect it's on a lot clearer but um, that that period of time where you know, I got cancer in 2020, just very shortly after the first lockdown, and yeah. I remember thinking at the time I felt like I was in a video game where every you know the world was trying to kill me. Like <laughs> I you know I had cancer and I had to have chemo, but that meant I was going to be immune compromised, and there was a global pandemic, and you know would I be able to see my kids? And the hospitals kept closing, and you know surgery electing or, or, or surgery even the, the mastectomy surgery was cancelled and at one point I got in one day before the hospitals were closed and anyway all of that kind of you know in in a very strange way gave me enormous resources around how to put what happened last year into perspective because when you are not fighting cancer in the middle of a global pandemic then you're okay and 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 you God. you manage, and that was yeah, my that, mind that, last year. That is it, and, and we had a little chat about this, Karen. We did have a little chat about this. When you have cancer, um, and, and the likes of David Quinn or, in my case, Vitamin, they they don't matter. They're not important. No, you get past them you and do. you move on with your life. And they're not important. They're not. And I just, you know. I'm sorry that it's happened to you, Karen. I'm sorry that that's the way Mr. Quinn felt he had to express his uh, masculinity. I think that, you know, and I'm sorry that that's happened to you. I I know what it's like going through cancer. I know every dig hurts really bad, and I know what it's like. But I'm glad that you you got that. He's not important. Can we we come back to to the actual, um, the, the last year, we know uh, because, uh, and it's now been reported by Colin Keena that, you know, uh, and I spoke to, to Nessa Hurrigan on this podcast in relation to slaps and in relation to our defamation laws and how we need to address them. And we know that there's 
things are starting to change. There's possibilities of change. Now, we also know that there will be reticence to actually enforce some of these because who benefits from it other than the people who tend to be in power. So there is that imbalance in it and they tend not to want to actually to address that. But I can, can I can I go, and again, this is me speaking um, as, as the host of this and the publisher and editor of this. This is nothing to do with Karen. I can only tell you that in the, in the correspondence, I know that Nessa referred to this case in the doll and she talked about it being a, having a, an impact, almost a chilling effect, say, on activists trying to actually, you know, have this, as we as we said, a robust debate with the other side or whatever, and it could put a chilling effect on activists. Mr. Quinn said that, you know, this was an abuse of doll privilege and that he was uh, going to, you know, that he was unhappy with it. There has been no further correspondence from Mr. Quinn, whether he wrote to Nessa or whether he wrote to the Keown Corla or he did any, so he didn't. So it was it was purely we can that's a fact I have ver- verified that myself with Nessa this morning so we know that to be the truth so you know so Karen you you very much carried the water and carried the can for this when the really important thing is you refused at the outset to sign a non-disclosure agreement yeah was there pressure put on to you for that yes um, you know I, and I suppose. <sighs> I suppose this is this is the, the the piece that that comes up for me quite a lot on this. Um, I'm I'm a, I'm a woman of enormous privilege. I have a you know I have a full time job um, and a house. I'm also I had um, contacts like Nessa, who who I had been working with on the safe access zones, um, and and I suppose you know. It, it, so yes, the, the 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 confidentiality, the non-disclosure piece um, came to the fore, and uh, I, as I said yesterday in my tweet, I was invited to uh, sign it. But because I am, you know, I, I have all the privileges, and I'm a bit older as well, and I I, I had the support of the likes, the wonderful um, Nessa Harrigan, um, I was in a position to decline that invitation to to sign it, and I felt that that was a red line for me. Um, throughout the process that whatever I was going to agree to, I was not going to agree to sign an NDA. And it's really, really important because NDAs, uh, something like getting sued is is, pr- is pretty awful. And an NDA then on top of that stops you from talking about it. So it takes away your voice, it takes away your power. And I also felt um, that because I was in a position to fight this a little bit, that I kind of had a, a juicy really to come and, and talk, use this experience and talk about it because there are so many other people out there being sued by a variety of, of actors. And we know this from the documents that are coming from um, the European Parliament. The slaps and anti-slap legislation is hot topic across Europe. And there are resolutions and documents being published kind of on an ongoing basis at the moment because so many people are are coming foul of the defamation laws. So it's, you know, it's it's a great opportunity for me to talk about this. And there has been, um, I think, more discussion recently, Karen, about the defamation laws in Ireland. Yeah. Um, I'm cynical about everything. I, I, I think there is more discussion about it now because the chances of there not being a Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael government is quite high. And how are they going to scream at the government that's there if the defamation laws exist as they do at the moment? So I'm quite cynical about why they want to change in them now. 
but they have been used by the rich and powerful. And we've spoken to journalists, Tony, who will mm-hmm. tell us that they have one, two, three of these things facing them. And basically what it is, is don't talk about me. That's and, what it says. And actually more, more important, you don't even need to give one or two or three. You don't even need to be serious because you, once it goes to an, uh, from an editor's desk to a legal advisor's desk and the legal advisor says this could cost us thousands to just defend they may actually just say pull the story and that is the and that's the other thing so it has that chilling effect and then we never know that this took place and yeah. it so and that's the point that i want to make about this mr quinn has told colin Keane that he hasn't done this before but he has he had asked you to sign an nda there is obviously a a conflict of interest between together for safety and the Iona Institute. We don't know if other people have had this carried done because we Karen, we don't know because they may have signed NDAs. Yeah. And and we know, you know, we know of people who have rec- who have um who have people would say, well they're well known to be litigious. Okay. We have we we've <laughs> yeah. seen this in that's it's a it's a it's a very well known statement in in especially in Irish media circles. I recall coming back from one and one of my only very few media appearances where someone said, Well, don't be surprised if you get a letter tomorrow. And and I really genuinely couldn't believe that the comment that I'd made was uh was gonna be construed in that way. But indeed it was. You know, so so it can it can have that kind of impact on you. Um Karen, can I ask you, though, personally, if you could give advice to people about the social media aspect of this? Uh, you know, do, do you do you think we've uh, first of all two two part question, and I'm not supposed to do them. Should we be more careful online? And and secondly, are we just being exposed by bad law? Um, both. Definitely both. Um, and I think this is really important because, I, you know, I, I'm not allowed to show the tweet, the thing that I tweeted, which is a real shame because, you know, in my soul, I'm a teacher and it's a great kind of a learning. You, you can see where, where it's, it's on the line and how it's really open to interpretation. And unfortunately, that is the way the law in Ireland is. If it's open to interpretation, then you make yourself vulnerable. And I made myself vulnerable. There's absolutely no question about it. Um, but I, I think that there's a, a, a wider conversation that really needs to happen. And it's, it's, I'm hoping that it will happen around the, 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 the hate speech bill. Um, you know, where, where do we lie on freedom of speech? Where, where is that line? And, um, I think it was Martin who said about the government and being cynical about why they're bringing in these anti-slap. And absolutely, we, you know, we'd, we'd have to be. There's no question. But on saying that there is an issue with, um, somebody being brought, you know, the, the the tension is between obviously the person's right to their reputation, of course, um, and it's this balance of rights between the right to their reputation and freedom of speech. And how do we put this together in a proportionate way? But in my experience, one huge thing would have been if the High Court had been off the table. And that's one of the proposals of the Irish, um, the, the, the changes that are being brought in by Minister Harris and the, the new defamation laws. So that would have been a huge thing for me because the High Court pushes the damages out into the stratosphere. Um, so if it could be brought out of that, even that one thing would make a huge difference. Um, the other thing that would make a huge difference to people would be, um, you know, time scale, like a year with this, um, you know, constantly getting letters is enormously stressful. 
And the literature on slaps coming out of Europe is that that's a strategic thing when it's a slap, that the idea is not to win the case. The idea is to, to prolong it as long as possible, make it as expensive, drain your time, your resources, your energy, um, so that you're not, you know, lobbying or advocating or, or if you're a journalist, that you're not in a position to, to write or report on the things. Um, and, and you, you guys said, you know, you've been in a position where it just hasn't been worth pursuing a thing. I, you know, I can see how that would happen. And last night I got so many contacts from people, from journalists saying versions of that, that it has just made their jobs next to impossible. Some of them have left journalism because it, they, they just, it's not, it's not worth the risk for them. Um, and in terms of, of activism and lobbying, I can tell you, Myself and and Evie, who's my co-chair together for safety, there isn't a day that has gone by in the last two years since we started that we haven't looked at each other and said, "Why are we doing this?" Um, you know, and and this is so. It's to me, this is part of a, a much wider conversation that needs to be had, and it includes freedom of speech. It includes the 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 hate crime legislation and the, the hate speech legislation, but it also includes the way in which women in, in political spaces are specifically targeted. And and this is this is where the, the tension comes for me because I work with women in political spaces who are targeted with the most abhorrent um, abuse, online messages, sexual abuse, accusations of incredibly behavior, harmful behavior that were completely untrue. And you know we we need to have a mechanism so that that can can be addressed. So I'm not coming to to this discussion with anything other than saying I you know we do need a better uh, system, um, and it's a system that has to protect persons' right to their good name, their right to you know privacy, um, while also protecting people from being taken to the high court. So it's it's that it's that tension there in the middle. And I think, too, government has a role in this, yeah. Karen, government, because, and I, I'll say this straight up, I've been defamed by a minister. I've been defamed by a minister, and I can say that hand on twice over, Tony knows this, twice over defamed. But I can't go and... and uh, you don't have the uh, means. You I don't, don't have the means. means to take, and, 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 and these are winnable cases. Two yep. ministers, winnable cases, and winnable cases. We, we, we have one, uh, we have one that exists on... One exists completely and utterly on social media in a, in a reply to me. That, yeah, that was, and that another was, one exists from another minister, and it's actually in the Iraq. It's a defamatory statement. But I don't have the means to go yeah. after these people. And that's the difference. If you had full access, if everybody yeah. had the same access, then it's fair. At least it's, it's a bad playing field, but at least everybody can come on well, and play well, the game. Access to justice is obviously a key thing. It's one of the reasons we have problems with the new planning bill. It's one of the main problems we have with the new planning bill, to be honest with you. But access to justice when it comes to this, as everybody will tell you, it's weighted in favour of the people who have the resources to, to do it. And that's um, the key. That's the yeah. key problem with it. They, that these laws exist is a problem. But the very next problem is that but the we, only people but Martin, we have we, access are the wealthy. We can't be naive to think, like, I mean, we've seen, you know, high-profile people like Mary Lou McDonald taking cases against RTE. I mean, we've seen these cases. We know of 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 cases from other politicians across all parties and none. By the way, it's 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 a it's a it can be used in proper it's situations. Well, access. 
bang on the ear, Tony, is what it is. Well, I just, I just think that they're also. We need to. We certainly need to. Your Karen's one hundred percent right. We need to look at some way that this, this, these aren't that. If someone's bad, someone's name and reputation has been damaged, there has to be a mechanism for redress, but it has to be actually proportionate rather than extortionate you know and 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 we at the moment it's extortionate well i do and i I suppose it's worth mentioning that simon mcgar has pointed out that if somebody says something defamatory about you on twitter you don't necessarily need to go to the courts you just simply need to go to twitter and say under our laws that's defamatory and if you don't take it down we are presuming that you are uh, agreeing with this statement and you'll end up getting sued. Now Simon McGar has pointed out how to do this so do it and be liberal about doing it when people say things about you. You have the right to Twitter International and who happened to be based in Dublin so it's quite convenient for for uh, the, the, the Irish audience um, but it is yeah they, because once you put them on notice they're then actually party to the defamation. So, so if you're if you're an ordinary person and somebody says something about you online, there's your there's your avenue. The, the other the other the other interesting thing, Karen, and I'm not asking you to comment, was obviously what was quite funny, and this is my me editorialising, was when uh, Sharon Lambert pointed uh, to with, without comment the uh, previous article where David Quinn had said, you know, uh, only only uh, overly sensitive people get upset about tweets. <laughs> So it was. It was a nice. It was a nice moment. There's always a tweet, isn't there, Tony? There's there's, a, there's always a tweet. <laughs> it was. It was a lovely. Like it, the the support that came out yesterday was just. It was really heartening. It really uh, was. Can can we just wrap then and ask you, um, in terms of the safe access zones, uh, the actual work, how have you, how have you uh, felt it's progressed or regressed over the last few months? Well, um. Uh, Minister Donnelly has uh, promised uh, on the national news twice in the last 10 days that it will be in operation by July. So that obviously would be fabulous if, if that's the case. Um, we're doing everything in our in our power. Um, to, <laughs> to it, it, it's, it's, it's a great result for you guys because the last time we spoke, it disappeared from the agenda, if you recall. Yeah. Do you remember? So, oh, so. I remember. Oh, I remember. It has appeared... Yeah, it has appeared and disappeared and been high priority and and too difficult to do um, on and off over the last five years. So we're five years now waiting for it, um, Tony, which which is which is frustrating. Um, but it would be great if, if overnight and, and once we saw it. Let, let me just say to people because we had this discussion with Karen. People have offered Karen money and said, "Look, we will cover the cost." That and Karen doesn't want your money, cost. Because it's the background. It's background noise. Better to leave it there, put a match to it, burn it, leave it behind you, Karen. You have other things on your plate. But what Karen will ask is that people feel like they need to make a donation of some sort. Any of the abortion charities out there, any of the causes out there, that's where you put your donation. That's how you, you, you funnel what you want to do. And that's how you make this thing work. So we're asking, you know, if you want, if you want to, Karen won't take your money. She's too much of a lady to take your money. I'm sorry, she just won't. I would have taken the money. That's me. <laughs> I'm a different kettle of fish altogether. I'd have taken the money, but she won't. So if there is a uh, any abortion organization or or anything that's promoting safe spaces, anything like that, and you feel like you can make a donation, you go and make a donation and and do it in Karen's name and just do it in her name. Say so this one's for Karen. 
Karen, Thank thanks you, for coming on and having this conversation with us. Lovely to talk to you. Brave. Very brave. Thank you, Considering what you were going through, Karen. Thank you. And I, I appreciate so much. And can I just say to, to anybody who's listening to, to thank them so much for the, the outpouring of support and the offer of, of money. And, you know, I'm going to try and get back to everybody individually over the next few days. But just a huge opportunity is the lobbying that myself and Evie have done for Together for Safety. We're just a pair of ones from Limerick. And we start, we we had no experience with, with lobbying or any of that. And we have learned as we went along. And we really would like people to know that Anybody can be a lobbyist. Anybody can can influence uh, policy. Um, write letters. Um, join a group. You know, we're seeing the upsurge, an enormous upsurge of hate and hostilities and, and these join groups. Work for something that is really important. Write letters to TDs. Write letters to Simon Harris about the defamation laws and write letters to Minister Donnelly about the safe access zones and inch by inch we're going to keep you know we're going to push back against this because I think all of us who will listen to this podcast will remember what we achieved in 2015 and 2018 when we worked mm. together and that is what we can do again I, I just want to thank you both so much for for this opportunity not at all thank you Karen and um we will leave it there, but I will say, um, Martin, you love to use this phrase, um, sunlight is the best disinfectant. You use yes. it repeatedly. And another and one that we'll throw in, no, no possible. Okay. <laughs> and I, 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 Karen, you stepped out into the light, so thank you for doing that and uh, our complete uh, solidarity with you. And, and I know, again, it's been a difficult situation. Uh, listen, folks, we have... Um, I think this is it. This is a change for the books. I think Oliver Callan is on his way over in a few hours, so that'll be different, you know? <laughs> it might be different than this conversation, but uh, we, we'll get them out to you as quickly as we can. Thanks for listening. Thanks for the support, and we'll talk to you all very, very soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Tony and Martin, Martin and Tony, speaking to interesting people only. It's the Subscribe now on Patreon.